0: Good morning, everyone. Turn to number 16, How Great Thou Art. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder Thy path throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great thou art How great thou art When through the woods And forest glades I wander And hear the birds Sing sweetly in the trees When I look down From lofty mountain grandeur And hear the brook And feel the gentle breeze
1: Then sings my
0: soul My Savior God to Thee How great Thou art How great Thou art
1: Then sings my
0: soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. And when I think that God, His Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in That on the cross My burden gladly bearing He bled and died To take away my sin Then sings my soul My Savior God to Thee How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come.
2: Now we will have our call to worship.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Call to worship this morning, Psalm 99. The Lord ringeth. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, For it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called unto the Lord, and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. Thou answered them, O Lord, our God. Thou wast a God that forgavest them, though thou tookest vengeance of thy inventions. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy.
2: Amen. That's why we're gathered here this morning to worship the holy King of Kings. Let's continue to worship him, singing number 79, To God Be the Glory
0: to god be the glory great things he has done so loved he the world that he gave us his son Who yielded his life and atonement for sin And opened the life gate that all may go in Praise the Lord, praise the Lord Let the earth hear his voice Praise the Lord, praise the Lord Let the people rejoice O come to the Father, to Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He hath done. O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes That moment from Jesus a pardon receives Praise the Lord, praise the Lord Let the earth hear His voice Praise the Lord, praise the Lord Let the people rejoice O come to the Father, through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory. Great things He hath done. Great things He hath taught us. Great things He hath done. And great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son but pure and higher and greater will be our wonder our transport when jesus we see praise the lord praise the lord let the earth hear his voice praise the lord praise the lord let the people rejoice Oh, come to the Father, true Jesus the Son, and give him the glory,
2: great things he hath done. Amen. Let us pray. Three in one, God, we have gathered here this morning in your presence to worship you. We know that you are among us, according to the promises of your word. And we pray that you would help us to open our hearts to you, to let you work in us, to make us more like yourself. We know this is your desire for us. And we also pray that you would free us from all distractions, that nothing would cause our hearts or minds to wander, but we could stay fixed on you because you are more than worthy, O Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And you may be seated and um, take your uh, bulletin inserts and we're going to pray uh, our corporate prayer of confession together. Our Father, forgive us for thinking small thoughts of you and ignoring your immensity and greatness. Lord Jesus, forgive us when we forget that you rule the nations and our small lives. Holy Spirit, we offend you in minimizing your power and squandering your gifts. We confess that our blindness to your glory, O triune God, has resulted in shallow confession, tepid conviction, and only mild repentance. Have mercy on us, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I'll just direct your attention. Let's be silent for a moment before God and reflect on ways we have personally fallen short this past week. Amen. Well, we're going to continue to uh, worship God in song. We will sing number four, Majesty, and then number 525, Make Me a Blessing.
0: Majesty, worship His Majesty. Unto Jesus Be your glory Honor and praise Majesty Kingdom authority Flow from his throne Unto his own His anthem raise So exult Lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify, Christ Jesus the King. Majesty, worship His majesty. Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings, Majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be your glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority. Flow from His throne Onto His own His anthem raise So exalt, lift up on high The name of Jesus Magnify, come glorify Christ Jesus the King majesty, worship his majesty, Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings, Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings. Out in the highways and byways of life Many are weary and sad Carry the sunshine where darkness is ripe Making the sorrow in glad Make me a blessing Make me a blessing Out of my life, may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. Tell the sweet story of Christ and His love. Tell of His power to forgive. Others will trust Him if only you prove true every moment you live. Make me a blessing, make. life may Jesus shine make me a blessing oh Savior I pray make me a blessing to someone today
1: give as was given to
0: you in your need Love as the master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed. Unto your mission be true. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life, may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a
2: blessing to someone today. Amen. And now you may be seated for the scripture readings.
1: Scripture reading this morning. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 9, and Matthew twenty eight nineteen and 20. <clears throat> this is Genesis. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And these shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sashem, unto the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east and there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Okay, this is Matthew 28, 19, 20. <clears throat> Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen.
2: All right, let us take our um, Sing Joyfully books again, and let us turn to number 626 in the back. That is the Nicene Creed and we will recite together this statement of faith. 626. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I think that takes it all into account from creation to the second coming. And now um, let us go to the Lord in prayer. God of all creation, the one who made all the families and nations Out of one man and his wife. Thank you for your great, amazing love for every one of us, all people on earth. We admit that even though we usually try to do what is right, sometimes we don't, sometimes we fail. And we all have some part of us that is stubborn. Sometimes we just want to do what we want to do. And we forget about your love for us. And we stop enjoying your love in that moment. But we remember and we thank you for the gift of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus Christ, who came to save all people by forgiving the sins of all who turn to him, confess their need of him and receive him and the Holy Spirit so that they may live in humble, dependent, obedient faith of him all the rest of the days of their life. And when we know we are adopted, Ask your children, Father God, we can love all your children and realize that you want all of us to learn how we can be his brothers and sisters together by the faith of him. Help us to build your family with him. We pray for all of those in Clinton, All of those in Massachusetts, all of those in the United States, and all of those in the world that still have not received your love in Jesus, the Savior. Please show us what we can do to help them to know you and your love. And we pray for the things in our country that do not please you. Please, Change the hearts and minds of those who do not yet believe life, all life, is precious to you and to us from the moment of conception until the last natural breath. Only you decide when our life is over. And please change the hearts and minds of those who believe your gift, of the physical union of one husband and one life is the best way to live for those you call to such a union. And for those that you have not called to that union, chastity is their calling. And that, too, is a blessing from you. And please open the eyes of all those who are causing division among people. You do not want us and them. It's not a division between we and they. But you want us, rather than to divide, to multiply the number of people who live by faith in your love. And we pray for the whole world and for the peace of Jerusalem. In our church family, we pray for those who can't be here today. Cindy. Doris, Norma, Betty Ann, Elon and others. We also pray for Joe and his family, and Allie and her family, Peter, Linda, Billy, their whole family, Christine and her family, Ken, really just everybody, Father. Mm-hmm. You know our needs even before we ask them, as it says in Scripture. And we pray for your word to change our hearts. And please help me to handle it, to explain it, interpret it, apply it. And please apply it to me first. And now we come to you with one heart and one voice. With the words of the prayer Jesus taught for his followers to pray. Our Father. Who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us now uh, continue to worship the Lord before we dig deeper into his word. Great song, great truth, number 469, Trust and Obey.
0: Amen. to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but a toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in jesus but to trust and obey but we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows Are for them who will trust and obey Trust and obey, for there's no other way To be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey Then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet Or we'll walk by His side in the way What He says we will do Where He sends we will go Never fear, only trust and obey Trust and obey For there's no other way To be happy in Jesus But to trust and obey
2: Amen. That song speaks of the obedience of faith. It is a great thing to be called by the three in one covenant God, Yahweh. In fact, I trust and I hope that everyone here this morning has been called by God to salvation in Jesus. There are many calls. And God's call to a person will often start with a command, such as go, follow, repent. And then um, he may give a truth About himself. And some of these truths are, um, I am with you, or I've commanded this, but remember I have done this in the past. And there's always, always, always a promise in the call, such as, I will bless you, or I will be your peace. So I've mentioned three things. And what is great about Yahweh is how these three parts of his call work together. Oh, the command may seem difficult to do, may often seem difficult to do to the person who is being called. But the truth and the promise of the call always speak to the concerns raised by the command. And God accommodates each and every one of us in this um, manner. So the result is that the person called receives faith to respond to the call and grow closer to God. Now, The call of Abram this morning is a good example of this. The first words that Yahweh spoke to Abram were for him to go out from the place where he had lived, the only place he had lived all of his life. But following that direct, rather blunt command is a sevenfold poetic word And it contained five promises of blessings and greatness. And then there was the command, the command that he would be a blessing himself. And finally, the truth that all nations on earth, all families on earth are blessed in Abram. So as hard as it was for him to leave home at an advanced age, the promises and the truth more than offset the concerns raised by the command of God placed on him. And in our short gospel reading some 2,000 years later, Jesus' last command to his 11 disciples was such that they must have wondered, how can we ever do this? How can we go out and make new disciples and teach them to obey all he has commanded when we ourselves have had trouble doing it? There's been times when Jesus had to scold us. But, but, He gives them this awesome, great promise, I will be with you until the end of the age. And then once they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, once they received him, they were enabled and equipped to obey. So now let's start by looking much closer at the details of the call of Abram. So the Genesis passage can be summed up. Yahweh commands Abram to go with a sevenfold call. And Abram went to Shechem. And there Yahweh promised the land to his descendants, his offspring, his seed. And Abram worshiped Yahweh. That has every element of a typical call of God. So the first portion of this passage, Yahweh commands Abram, go, go to the land that I will show you. And then there's this sevenfold call that concludes it. So he went 500 miles Southwest down to Shechem. Let's go through this line by line. Then Yahweh said to Abram, go from your land, from your kindred, from your father's house to the land I will show you. Let's think about this for a minute. He's being asked to leave. This command is to go, to leave The land, his kindred, that's the clan, and his family, his immediate family. Now, I should be saying Avram because Av is the word for father. And this is exalted father. That's what his name means. He's leaving behind. We've got to understand this. Everything of value to people who lived 2,000 years before Jesus became a human. This may not sound like a big deal to modern Americans in our individualism, and it's all about me. But we've got to understand to Avram, and in his culture, he was being asked to leave everything, to just leave everything in his life behind. But what is the promise? Yahweh himself is already saying he will show Avram, the land to which he is called. And then in the next two verses, and and your Bible may mark it out this way, with seven poetic lines, Yahweh closes this call to Avram. Now, the heart of all of this is a command. And the King James, I was listening very carefully, it changed will to should. I never realized until this week, the very fourth part, the middle, is a command. And the command says, you must be a blessing. Okay? Now, this command, in this command, Yahweh supplies all Avram will ever need to obey it with the promises and the truth that surround it. So let's look first at the five promises surrounding this uh, command, claim on his life, that he must be a blessing. There's three before it and two after. First line, I will make you a great nation. But think how Avram must have felt He and Sarai still haven't had any children. How can I be a great nation without a son? And then he says, I will bless you. Well, you know, we throw around that word bless a lot. What does it really mean? A biblical blessing means that God gives to someone success, prosperity, Children and longevity, a long life. All of this is included in the blessing to Avram. Thirdly, I will make your name great. We could translate that fame in a good sense. And, you know, I didn't put it in your outlines because I made them up Friday night. But yesterday morning, when I was going over this, it all of a sudden occurred to me. Talk about a name made great. His name was changed to Abraham. And I submit to you that every Jew on earth knows the name Abraham. And most Christians do as well. Talk about a name being made great and magnified over the centuries. Do you think he kept that promise? Of course he did. And then after the command, fifthly, the line says, I will bless those who bless you. This is in the plural. This means that any community or group of people that blesses Avram will be blessed by Yahweh. And then he totally flips it in the sixth line. And he who curses you, I will curse but notice this, and, and some of us were at the Bible study Wednesday night, and we were talking about this. Notice the cursing is only from into individuals. Groups of people, clans of people, families of people, they might be blessed, but God is so fair, he will not tear down a group of people, even if there's only a remnant of people who are being faithful. He will not curse all of them. He curses each and every individual who has it in his or her heart to curse him. So again, God is amazing beyond our ability sometimes, well, all the time, to totally comprehend. And then the seventh line is this amazing truth. It's a declarative statement. And it says, and all the families of the earth have been blessed in you. This is God. Remember, God can speak something that is a reality even before it has been totally fulfilled. So it's already in his plan to bless everybody through Avram. He's saying that um, all the families of the earth, all of them, that means every nation, every ethnic group, all people. So, with this final word to Avram, Yahweh's call is complete. So, right here we have our first understanding of Yahweh's special call to Avram, the call to Avram. But he continues on. And then, and this is cool. You know, you wonder why Abraham's called the father of faith. He went, as Yahweh had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Avram was 75 years old when he went out from Haran. And if you read the whole Abraham story, he messed up a few times, but only a few. Almost every time, usually, he responded quickly with the obedience of faith to Yahweh's commands. I don't think he even waited a day. I think he packed up and went on his way. Now, here's some of the details. Lot, and this is very interesting what his name means. It means covering. Now, think about it. He had lived near Sodom and Gomorrah, actually among them for a long, 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 long time. And they were so decadent that even when Avram is interceding, maybe his name was Abraham by then, but he's saying, if you can just find, what is it, 10 righteous people, then it won't be destroyed. But the thing was, the only one who is keeping Sodom and Gomorrah from being destroyed is Lot. His very presence was a covering from God's wrath. That was kind of cool, I thought. Well, um, the other thing about Avram is he had lived in one place with his extended family for 75 years. Now, that's not entirely true. He's leaving Haran at 75, and if you read before this, his father, Terah, had it in his heart to go all the way from Ur to Canaan, but he never made it. Now, Terah's name means delayed, and he got 600 miles northwest, and all of a sudden, he just stopped and delayed. And he died there. But now, after his father's death, Avram completes the call from Yahweh, and he goes from Haran in response to that call. And Avram took his wife, Sarai, which means princess, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, which they had gathered, and the souls whom they had acquired in Haran. And they went out to go to the land of Canaan, which means low land or a wide valley, and they came to the land of Canaan. So first of all, we're told he took his wife or his princess bride. Now, when it talks about possessions, again, understand 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years before Jesus came possessions were primarily animals or livestock. And if you go forward to Genesis 24, you will see that Avram had an abundance of sheep, cattle, camels, and donkeys. But again, this is um, part of the culture of the day. We know that this is not right but we're told that Avram had also bought human servants, and they were put to work watching over his many possessions. So they headed for and arrived in the land of Canaan, which was a fertile valley between the Jordan River to the east and the Mediterranean Sea to the west. So now he's there. He's in the land, and he's beginning to see what Yahweh's call was all about. But he didn't know then, we know from what we've heard from God's word, there's much more to the fulfillment, the final fulfillment of the call of Avram. So next, he passed through the land to the place of Shechem, under the oak of Moreh and the Canaanites. Now, as a group with the name of Canaanites, it means people who were zealous. And as you know, without God, sometimes we're not always zealous for what is good. And that would be a problem over the centuries to come. They were in the land. Now, Shechem means shoulder. So I think this was a prominent Region. The city was maybe uh, on a hill, and it stood out, and it was strong, and they were good workers there. And that was 500 miles southwest of Haran. So the father got him halfway. He took the other half. And um, a couple other things about his location. It was 15 miles west of the Jordan River. Now, about a month ago, I looked up what Jordan means, and I think it's a cool name. You could call all rivers Jordan because it means a descender. Think about what rivers are. The water, whether it's melting snow or rain, it goes down the side of a mountain with more and more little rivulets feeding a great big river. And rivers always flow in a certain direction from a higher place to a lower place. So the Jordan was a river of water descending down into the Dead Sea through all of Israel. And um, there's another neat thing here, because I had to look it up. We're told about a Tebereth or an oak in Mo'ra, Mo'ra was probably a region of Shechem. Now, Mo'ra is from the same root word. The basic word is Yara, which basically means to teach. And that word also is used in the word Torah, which is God's instruction through Moses to how we live a life. That will have the full blessing of God on it. So, over 500 years before Moses, Avram ends up by this tree, um, Mora, which actually means learning. So, it's related to the word for instructions. So when he arrived in Canaan, Avram stopped, or Avram, sorry, I sometimes mispronounce his name, at the tree of learning. And for us, let's understand that as we obey our call from God, whatever that specific call may mean, we too can learn Avram obeyed thus far, and now he's in a place of learning. We should always be in a place of learning. Now, um, continuing on, the Canaanite lived there. These were zealous people, and I already told you how that might be a problem. They were there when he arrived. And now our Genesis passage concludes that in Shechem, Shechem, Yahweh appears to Avram and promises to give the land to his offspring. And then Avram builds an altar. And then he proceeds to Bethel and builds another altar and calls on the name of the Lord. So we're told that Yahweh appeared to Avram in Shechem at this place of learning. And he said to your seed meaning offspring, I will give this land. And then he, Avram, built an altar there to Yahweh, the one, the one appearing to him. So it starts with the land of promise. It wasn't enough that he had already given Avram that sevenfold call with five promises in it already. Now he promises it to the offspring of Abram, and notice this is as a singular entity. Again, this has to do with all that Abram gave up when he left. It had to do with being part of a community for 75 years. Well, now he's saying all who are descended from Isaac, your son of promise, they would be given the land to dwell in as one family of God through Avram and Itzhak, and I don't know if you know this or not, but the priestly blessing to the people of Israel, all the yous are the singular the And he's not making promises to individuals. He's making promises to his people as a singular, united people. It's God's desire that we be united. And then we're told that he built an altar. And he built it to worship Yahweh by sacrifice. So here's what I think. It's not spelled out but I think this is how a relationship with God works and other parts of scripture address it. Avram was so grateful of being brought this far by Yahweh as a result of his obedience to the call that he offered plenty of the animals and he had lots of possessions. He offered them back to his maker And this is all part of the call of Yahweh. As we obey the call and he begins to show his hand and that it was the right understanding, we should be thanking him. And then he moved on from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel. Now, maybe most of you know this, but for you who don't, Beth is house El is God. Bethel is the house of God. And Jacob would find that out much later. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Hai, which means heap of ruins. So think ahead to Joshua and Achan. And when they destroyed this place, it did become a heap of ruins later. And he built an altar to Yahweh and called on the name of Yahweh. So here here we have it. This is the end of this portion of the story of Avram. He um, again we need to understand this. I'll give you a little geography bit. Bethel was about twenty miles south of Shechem, and for somebody traveling with so many people and so many animals, it was a one day journey. Now, when he built his second altar, notice this, he also called on the name of the covenant God who had called him, and the name represents all that God is. So by calling on him, he's worshiping prayerfully, and it demonstrates this close and intimate relationship that Avram and Yahweh had, because they talked to each other often. And, And that's how we should be. We should be aware of God and communing in our hearts with him. And then it closes, Avram journeyed to go to a journey to Negev, which means south. The King James translated it, didn't treat it as a place name. Now, the Negev, I looked this up, it's 4,500 square miles. It's in southern Judah, north of the Sinai Peninsula, where Egypt is to the south, and the annual rainfall, get this, we had this in a week in July, only eight inches per year fell there, and it was known for its extreme summer heat and extreme winter cold, and yet and here is the grace of God. There is a shallow underground water table that causes just enough vegetation to grow for a limited grazing of animals. And again, if you know the rest of the story, you'll find that sometime after this, both Lot and Avram were um, you know, grazing their abundant herds there. And all of a sudden, oh, there's not enough vegetation to support both of us. We're going to have to split up. And Lot chose the better part, and Avram ended up with Israel. Now, let's go forward um, to the days of Jesus, when he commands the eleven to make disciples in three ways before he promises to be with them to the end of the age. So Jesus tells the 11 that having been sent, they must instruct to discipleship all nations, baptizing them into God's name and teaching them to keep all of his commandments. So Jesus is speaking to the 11. Read the three verses that are in context preceding this. And he says, therefore, having been sent or having gone. Now, what might he mean by this? Well, uh, as I thought about it and and prayed, because I was desperate, if you remember much earlier in Matthew's gospel, right after he called the 12 after a night of prayer, He sent them out on a limited mission only to the lost sheep of Israel, just the one nation of Israel. But now he is changing things up. The second part is you must teach all the nations. Now to teach means to make a disciple to instruct someone or to cause someone to follow someone else. And this is a verb from the root noun of being a learner. So now we're going all the way back to Abraham, and I'll develop that in a minute. But in his last command, Jesus is extending the mission field to which they were sent two years prior, from just Israel to all the nations of the earth, each and every nation, and now there's some 200 plus, okay make disciples of all nations. does that echo back to Avram as well? Thirdly, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism in just a general sense, is a cleansing with water. okay, And that's what the Jews would do before they knew that there could be a cleansing in Jesus Christ. But for Christians, baptism is the initial declaration of a lifetime commitment of growing as a disciple, as a learner, as a follower of Jesus Christ Jesus the Christ, meaning the Savior who is the King. Now, notice, there is one name, that's all that's mentioned, but three persons of God following. Okay, that's the Trinity, right? Now, Avram called on the name of this three-in-one covenant God after he had come to the place that featured a tree of learning. To be a disciple, Avram and the disciples of Jesus, they're joining together here. Lastly, teaching them to observe or keep all things as many as I've commanded you. Now, the word used for teaching is a synonym to the word for making a disciple. With the primary meaning of a teacher instructing students. So the first kind of teaching is practical, how to have an experience of God. And this one is once we've had that experience, God, how do we live? Okay, so the goal of this continual teaching is for these disciples, these new disciples, to be continually making themselves new disciples of the people Of all nations. So Jesus' last command is to just multiply disciples all throughout the whole world, everybody. Well, that's a command, okay? And I think that many of us struggle with that command, but listen to the promise. He promises his presence until the end. This is the Emmanuel, the with us God promise. And I I remember when God taught me, this is the only blank check promise in all of scripture. God won't always take us out of our troubles or our difficulties or our trials. Sometimes they're even for our own good, whether they're brought on by ourselves or others impose them on us. But you can take this to the bank. Jesus is with us and in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And not only is this true, it's continuously true all the way to the end of the age. The word is uh, "ion," which means eternity. If you ever heard of an eon, it comes from the Greek word in this passage. The promise is for all time until Jesus comes again. So we know it's for more than just the 11. They all died, as the rest of the New Testament shows. It is for everyone who becomes a disciple of Jesus and then lives the rest of their life making more disciples. From that very moment, Jesus spoke it all the way until his coming again. So let's sum this up going back 4,000 years when Yahweh commanded Avram to go from his country and his family with promises of blessing and greatness, plus the truth that all the families of earth were blessed in him already, and he went. And when he finally arrived, Yahweh promised the land to Avram's offspring, and Avram built two altars before he went further south. Then 2,000 years later, Jesus commanded his 11 disciples to teach people of all nations to be his disciples and obey all he commanded. And he gave the promise he would be with them to the end of the age. And this General call, which is on all of us, is the ultimate fulfillment of the call of Avram all those many, 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 many years ago. And with that, let's close our worship singing 17, great is thy faithfulness. Because sometimes our faith wavers, but his never does. Number 17, great is thy faithfulness.
0: Lord unto me Summer and winter and springtime and harvest Sun, moon, and stars in their courses above Join with all nature in manifold with Mercy and love Great is thy faithfulness Great is thy faithfulness Morning by morning New mercies I see All I have need, Thy hand hath provided blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I Provided great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto
2: me. In in our benediction, which is Latin for a good word, comes from many, one of the many, many um, truths that Paul wrote to the church about. Abraham, even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the nations by faith, preached the gospel beforehand, To Abraham by saying, All the nations are blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. And now for our final song, um, my good brother Ray absolutely loves this song, he calls it his favorite song. So uh, I hope he's blessed by this, and we'll sing number 19, In the Name of the Lord.
0: There is strength in the name of the Lord. There is power in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord there is strength in the name of the Lord No! Oh.